Matthew this morning, Matthew chapter number 25. Matthew chapter number 25, continuing uh, to look at the parables of the Lord Jesus. I don't know uh, how much more we're going to look at this. If the Lord uh, allows me to follow my plan, uh, we'll probably look at uh, another, uh, probably be looking back at this passage uh not next Sunday, but the next Sunday that I'm speaking, be back at this passage looking at kind of a bigger picture uh, than the Lord allows. We'll be moving away from the parables and moving into a different uh, study uh, for a time probably through the end of the year, maybe into the beginning of next year. Uh, we'll see how the Lord leads, but uh, boy, I'll tell you what, I've enjoyed looking at these parables. And we've, we've just scratched the surface of the parables that is in the Word of God. Boy, I'm telling you what, it is full of the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you want to know what Jesus thinks, study the parables. Boy, I'm telling you what, he clarifies uh, what it is. And and we've been looking uh, on Wednesday nights on how to develop your personal Bible study. And we were looking at culture and how culture affects the Word of God and so forth and so on. And, and we made the statement that, you know, a lot of folks say, well, there's all these rules and regulations in the Old Testament. Uh, how do we know which ones apply today and which ones do not? Well, it's pretty simple. If Jesus repeats it, it still applies. And boy, I'm telling you what, as you go through the Gospels, you look at the parables, you look at the Sermon on the Mount, you look at the teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ, you will find that a lot of the uh, Mosaic law as far as the, the ritualistic part of the law has been done away with. But God has never changed morally. And the moral law of God still holds true. And so, uh, boy, I'm telling you what, just enjoying looking at these parables. Today we're going to be looking here in Matthew chapter number 25 at the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents. So we're going to be reading here in chapter number 25. We're going to begin our reading in verse number 14. Uh, and then we're going to read down through verse number 40. Excuse me, verse number 30. Starting in 14 through 30. Matthew chapter number 25. The Bible says, starting in verse number 14, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. Then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee, that thou art an hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown, and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid, and went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there thou hast that is thine. 
His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not, and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him, and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness, there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, Lord, it's good to be in your house. And Lord, I've enjoyed the service this morning. Lord, I enjoyed the Sunday school class. And uh, Lord, the lesson on forgiveness. Father, thank you, uh, Lord, for speaking to us through your word. I've enjoyed the worship service. Lord, I've enjoyed the the singing together. I've enjoyed the choir, enjoyed the special uh, music. Father, Lord, I've enjoyed fellowshipping and and speaking with your people. Then, Lord, our family. Father, I thank you for your church. I thank you for your people. Uh, But Lord, most of all, I thank you for your word. And now, Lord, as we begin to look into your word this morning. Uh, Father, Lord, I pray that you will help us as we look at this parable. Lord, this is, this is a parable that you taught. And Father, Lord, as we look at this parable, Father, I pray that you will help us to rightly divide this parable. I pray, dear Lord, that you will help us to correctly apply this parable. I pray, dear Lord, that you will help it to speak to our hearts. I pray, dear Lord, that it will challenge us. I pray, dear Lord, it will convict us. And Father, Lord, that we will be better Christians because of spending time in your word this morning. Thank you, dear Lord, for your goodness. Lord, if there be one here this morning that doesn't know you as Savior. Lord, there's someone here that's never put their trust in you never repented of their sins and gave their life to you. Father, I pray that you will speak through your word to their heart this morning and show them, Lord, their need to put their trust in you. Thank you, Lord, for your goodness. Bless now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Now as we read this parable, as I said, we'd probably be revisiting this passage of Scripture uh, in another message. And the reason is that there's a big picture here. If you look in Matthew, you will see that chapter 24 and chapter number 25 uh, are pretty much uh, one continuous discourse from the Lord. We see at the beginning of chapter number 24 that the disciples said to Jesus, uh, tell us uh, about the last days. Tell us about the end of the world. Tell us uh, about when you return. How what is going to take place. And so the Lord takes uh, all of chapter number 24 and he talks to the disciples about many things uh, that will happen at the end of the world. When this this phase is over uh, and we are stepping into eternity and he begins to go over through things that they can see, signs and wonders, things they can look for. And then in chapter number 25, uh, he gives three Parables And all three of these parables uh, are linked directly back to chapter number 24. All three of these parables uh, have to do with uh, the end of the world. Now we have looked at one of these parables uh, several weeks back. We looked at the parable of the ten virgins uh, and we've seen that the thrust of that parable, the message of that parable was the importance uh, of being prepared for that day when the Lord returns. The importance uh, of making sure that you prepared yourself. We saw how the Lord used the example of those uh, who were supposed to go to the wedding, but they didn't get oil for their lamps, and therefore they were not prepared. And uh, they went to the door and they said, go away. Uh, It's too late. Uh, You weren't prepared. And we see that the message of this is that at the end of time, at the end of the world, uh, those that aren't prepared 
are going to spend eternity in hell because of their lack of preparation. The next two parables uh, is, of course, uh, this parable about the talents, and then following that uh, is the parable of the sheep and the goats. You may be familiar with that parable as well, the parable of the sheep and the goats, the sheep on the right hand, the goats on the left. All three of these parables are speaking about the judgment at the end of the world. And that is the subject that we will be looking at in our next message. I was hoping to combine all this in one message, and I'm like, Pastor John, there's no way in the world you're going to combine all this into one message. So how all these parables tie together, the message that all these parables are giving concerning the end of the world, it's a, it's a singular message from the beginning of chapter 24 to the end of chapter number 25. It is a singular message that God is giving us. That's what we're going to be looking at in our next message. So be sure that you're here on November 13th and you will be able to hear that message, Lord willing. So be here to hear that. But today, we're going to be looking at the practical lesson that is found in this parable because every parable that we look at uh, many times will have both a big picture and a practical application. And in this parable, uh, we have a big picture and a practical application. And so uh, this morning, we're going to be looking at that practical lesson, uh, and that application will be the main thrust of our message today. So as we look at this parable, uh, we see, of course, that there is a story given here. And Jesus loved to use stories uh, that were common uh, to illustrate spiritual truths. And so Jesus used a story uh, that was very common uh, that they would understand to illustrate a spiritual truth. The story that Jesus used is that of a landowner or a businessman, we might would call him today, someone who had quite a bit of financial value. And this was someone who was going to go traveling. And many times it was very common for the owner of an estate to have to travel uh, just as we do today. Uh, but in that day, uh, travel took a lot longer, uh, you know, uh, we can run to Charlottesville and back in an hour and a half. But in that day, uh, that had been a week-long trip, you know. Travel just didn't work as quickly. And many times they would have to travel to meet merchants, to set up arrangements, to set up sales agreements. And sometimes uh, they would be gone for a year or even more. Uh, the, the, they would, uh, the state owner would go and he would travel. He would set up business arrangements and so forth and so on. And while he was gone, uh, he would have hired hands who overseen the estate. They kind of watched over things. Uh, they made sure that everything kept running. His investments stayed where they should be. Everything worked as it, as it was supposed to. And then whenever he would come back home, he would check up on things and see how it was going. This is the illustration that Jesus is using in this parable, both to illustrate a big picture concerning the second coming and a practical application that we will be looking at today. The first thing we notice when we look in the story is the relationship of the servants to the master. The relationship to the master. There in verse number 14 it says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. Whenever I look at this verse, I see that there is a working relationship between the master and the servants. There is a position that is recognized. The master is in charge and the servants do 
what he says. Uh, this is pretty simple. This is easy to understand. And so the, the principle that I've put here is that the servants, uh, their relationship to the master is that they have been called to serve. It says there in verse number 14, who called his own servants uh, and delivered unto them his goods. These servants uh, have been called to serve the master. You and I as Christians have been called into the service of the king. Every Christian who has been born again has a relationship with their Savior and that relationship includes service to the king. We have been called to serve. There is a trend that is a sweeping American, sweeping religion that says this, that because of Calvary and because Jesus paid it all, you and I don't have to do anything. Uh, we don't have to serve. We don't have to go to church. We don't have to give ourselves. We are the church. We can just sit at home and love our families because Jesus took care of everything. Now it sounds good and it's a fun life to think that I can do whatever I want, whenever I want and go to heaven when I die. The only problem with it is that's nowhere in the Bible. What the Bible is full of is that Christians have been called to serve. Christians are people who are called into the service of the Lord. Now, there's a couple of things you can look at there. There are some folks who are called into what we call full-time service. That's what I would be considered because this church is large enough that you're able to financially support me so that I do not work a job outside of the ministry and I just devote myself to the ministry and by doing that, uh, I'm able to do a lot more, whereas if I worked a job we'd be very limited as to how much we could do as a church, but because you're able to support me, I'm able to give all of my working time to the church. We're able to do a lot more, and so I am a paid servant of the Lord. But my service to the Lord uh, shouldn't be a clock in, clock out kind of service. Uh, it ought to be 24-7 service. Uh, it ought to be my heart is. But then there are others uh, uh, who work secular jobs and that is definitely okay. Not not saying you shouldn't. There are people who work secular jobs. Uh, they make a living. They, they live their life. But they also have been called into the service of the Lord. Every Christian is to be involved in the service of the Lord. Whenever we look into the Word of God, we find that Paul, Peter, James, Jude, John, and many others introduced themselves as the servant of the Lord. This is how they referred to themselves. In Luke chapter number 12 and verse number 1, we find that all believers are called to give themselves uh, to sacrificial service. Luke chapter number 12, or excuse me, Romans 12 and verse number 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Every Christian has been called to give themselves in a manner of sacrificial service to the work of the Lord. The reason for this obligation to a life of service, it can be found in many places in the Word of God, but for example, 1 Corinthians 6 and verse number 20 says, For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God with your body and your spirit, which are the Lord's. I heard, I heard a preacher, uh, he calls himself a preacher. I heard a gentleman say that the song Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe doesn't make any sense. 
Because if he paid it all, then I don't owe anything. I said, buddy, you just need to stop and reconsider. The reason... I owe him everything is because he paid everything. Because he covered my debt. Because he bought me. He purchased me with his blood. I belong to him. First off, he created me. And because he created me, I belong to him. And he has a right to do whatsoever he will in my life because I am his creation. But then he turned around and shed his blood and he purchased me again with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and I have been bought with a price therefore my response to the salvation that I have received is that I glorify God with this body with my spirit with my life this is how I live from now on until I go to glory and then I just step it up a notch and keep on living for the glory of God because I have been purchased by His blood we have been called to service. In Romans 6 and verse number 18, it says, Being then made free from sin, ye have become the servants of righteousness. He freed me from sin. Because he's been freed me from sin, I have become a servant to righteousness. I have given my life to the service of the king. When we look at this parable, we see a relationship between the master and the servant and it is a call to service. I believe that every Christian is to be engaged in the work of the Lord. I believe that every Christian ought to be busy doing something for the cause of Christ. But what is it? What is it that we're called to do? But what is it? Each person is different how do we apply ourselves to the work of the Lord? Well, let's look at verse number 15. And here in verse number 15, we see the responsibility of the servants. The responsibility of the servants. In verse number 15, And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. First I notice in this passage of Scripture that the responsibilities given to these servants were intentionally different. Now I'm going to hop on just a little bit of a rabbit trail here. I'm going to try to stay here just for a minute and I'll hop back off of it. But there is a, a trend in our day that says everybody should be treated exactly the same. We're very, 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 very concerned in this day about fairness. And we're so concerned about fairness that we've become the most unfair generation that has ever lived. Why is that? Because we're not the same. You can't treat, if you move into the animal kingdom, you can't treat an elephant and a fish the same and expect them both to thrive. It's not going to work. And we look at a, at a world and we're trying to make everybody be treated exactly the same that's made up of people who are completely 100% different. And all we end up doing is creating a tremendous amount of confusion when we ought to allow people to live and be according to who they are. Now I'll jump back off the rabbit trail. Jesus understood this. He understood this. Beings, he's our creator. It's no surprise that he understood this. 
But we see here in verse number 15 that the responsibilities that he gave to the servants was intentionally different. Intentionally different. Look at verse number 15. He gave to one five, to another two, to another one, every man according to his several ability. There are different responsibilities given to different people. Uh, and here in this parable, the difference is illustrated by the amount uh, that each servant received. Jesus said, uh, these guys have different skills. They have different abilities. Therefore, I am going to give them responsibilities that meet uh, what they are able to do. Now, in this parable, uh, the illustration that he uses is an amount of money. And to each one, even the one that only received one in today's currency, uh, he would have received several hundred thousand large sums of money that was being entrusted to these men. And so we see that Jesus illustrated this by means of monetary value. But whenever you look at the monetary value, you and I automatically say, well, the guy that got five had a more important job than the guy that got one. Now, let me just illustrate. I don't know about you. Maybe you in a different financial bracket than the rest of us. But if I submit to Brother Randy $500,000 and I submit to, to Brother Tommy a million dollars and Brother Tommy does good but Brother Randy wastes his, I'm not going to just not worry about Brother Randy. I mean, that 500000 is important to me. It doesn't matter how you break it down. Every man's job was equally important. They had been given a job to take care of according to their ability, but every one of them had a job that was very important. Oftentimes, whenever we look at ministry, uh, we put importance on jobs. And we need to quit that. The Lord has called me to be a preacher, and the Lord has directed our lives until he brought me here, and now I'm the pastor but you know what? My position in the eyes of God is no more important nor will it receive any greater rewards than the person who faithfully spends time on their knees in prayer and nobody even knows about it. It's equally important in the eyes of God and He gives us gifts and abilities according to what we are able to do. Whenever it comes to serving in the Lord, if you're doing what God has enabled you to do, your service is just as important in the eyes of God as any other calling may be. Whenever we return to the text, though, we find that these responsibilities were intentionally different because they were specifically designed. And he gave un and unto one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to every man according to his several ability. You know, our Creator knows the unique makeup of every individual. Did you know that? I sometimes, I sometimes don't think I know myself. You ever do that? You're like, what am I thinking? What am I doing? Why did I do that? You, you, know, you find yourself doing that. Sometimes somebody will ask you what you believe on, on something, maybe uh, regarding uh, the world in general, maybe regarding the Bible. Who knows? They'll ask you, what do you believe on that? And maybe you'll say something, and then later you'll scratch your head and say, I really don't know what I believe about that. I never thought about that. I need to figure out what I do believe about that. Well, sometimes we don't know ourselves, but our Creator... He knows us. He knows us inside and out. He knows what we're capable of. He knows what we can do. He knows what we can't do. He knows where we'll excel. He knows where we will fail. Our Creator knows us inside and out, and He knows what job, what responsibility we are best suited for. 
Therefore, whenever He calls us or directs us into an area of ministry, we find that He will direct us into an area where we can serve the absolute best. Some are communicators. Some people are able to stand behind a pulpit and preach a message like I'm trying to do this morning. Some can teach a Sunday school class. Some are professors. They're able to just unpack the Word of God in ways that just astound you. They're communicators. Some are great at sharing the gospel one-on-one, meeting people on the street, folks they've never met before, being able to just start a conversation and share the gospel and just to have a strength about that. Some are blessed in music. Boy, some people can just open their mouth and just harmony just flows out. They don't have to try. They don't have to look at the notes. I mean, that voice just like a, like a stream in the mountains. I mean, just when they open their mouth, it just sounds so melodious. They're blessed. I'm not one of them people. But some are blessed in music. Some tend to benevolence. Some people, God is blessed financially, and, and they have a benevolent heart. And boy, I mean, they can be a blessing to people in ways that other people would never, ever be able to do. Some are skilled in craftsmanship. I mean, look at this beautiful building that we're in, built by the hands of people who were members of this church, skilled, craftsmen, able to use their talent for the work of the Lord. Uh, some connect well with other people. Some connect well with children. You know, some folks uh, can take a room full of rowdy kids and just be right at home. Other folks get in that room full of rowdy kids and have a nervous breakdown. People are gifted differently. Some have an eye for detail. Some have an eye for safety. All of us have different strengths and different weaknesses. And the Lord specifically directs each person into an area where they are most able to be a blessing to the ministry. We see here that the master gave to the servants, intentionally he gave them different responsibilities, but the responsibilities that he gave them were specifically designed to each one. After they received their instruction, we see in verse 16 down through verse number 18 the response to their obligation. In verse number 16, Then he that had received five talents went and traded with the same and made them other five talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. I see two things here. First of all, the first response I see is a diligent application. A diligent application. This is what God has given me to do. Therefore, I'm going to do it to the absolute best of my ability. This is the job he gave me. And therefore, I am going to apply myself to it. I am going to learn it. I'm going to, I'm going to develop it. I'm going to get better at it. I'm going, to, I'm going to just give my life to being the best that I can possibly be in this area that God has called me to. I am going to apply myself to the work that God has given me to do. And we can look at this in any area that we may have mentioned before. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, you can apply yourself to it and you can become the absolute best that there is at it. But in addition to the diligent application in this third person, we see a disinterested attitude. A disinterested attitude. Every year at VBS, and I thank you to each of you that I'm getting ready to talk about. I thank you for who you are. But every year at VBS, a number of people will sign up and they'll put on their worksheet anywhere. Anywhere. Thank you to all of you that put anywhere. But I know that even when you put anywhere, there's some jobs nobody wants. 
You know, there's some fun jobs. You know, when you're there with the kids or when you're on the game field or, or when you're down there fellowshipping with other friends, cooking meals. And, and You know, all this is good and fun, but the nursery during BBS is just not a good job. Now, the Lord's helped us to develop that a little bit more and we're able to include a lot of the smaller kids more than we used to be able to. But, boy, in years past, we kind of had a, a group of people that was three or four small children, mostly children of people who were working elsewhere uh, that needed somebody to watch them. They didn't have a class. They didn't have a curriculum. They didn't have a place they belonged. Uh, they just needed somebody to watch them. And I would hand the paper out. We've assigned everybody their jobs. And they would look at the sheet and they have a willing heart, a loving, willing servant's heart. They're never going to complain. They're never going to say no. But you could just see the tears begin to form. <laughs> I got nursery. <laughs> Man, anywhere but nursery. You know, there are some jobs, and I just use that to, to make an illustration. There are some areas of service where God might call you to that you're like, God, that's not where I wanted to be. God, I always, uh, God, I always thought I'd be a preacher. God, God, I always thought that you'd use me as a missionary. I always thought you'd use me here, use me there. Or God, I always, this is the dream I have for myself. Lord, this is not what I wanted to do. Why'd you put me here? And you become disinterested in your calling. Several years ago, we were visiting a church and... Uh, Whenever I visit a new church, I tend to just take off and nose my way through the church and look around and see how they do things, and somebody will find me and say, can I help you, sir? And I'm like, no, I'm just looking at your church. Um, so, but we was at a church, and I was, I was just going through the church looking around, and I come to the nursery. And there was a lady there in the nursery. She was a, a middle-aged lady, probably late 40s, early 50s, somewhere in there. And she was in the nursery, and she was just busy, just busy, busy, busy. And uh, Melissa and I walked in, and, and I was just looking around the nursery. She turned around and seen us, and uh, we introduced ourselves and said, you know, we just like looking at other churches, seeing how people do things, how they decorate, so forth and so on. And she's like, welcome to my domain. And we're like, okay. She said, this is my place. This is the ministry that God gave me. She said, God called me to the nursery. She said, and it's just phenomenal. Let me show you. And boy, she began showing us. Now, we got this, and the reason we got this is because it's good for this. And we've got this over here, and God gave us this, and, and we use this to help get the children in here. And, and I mean, she is talking about this nursery like it's a church that runs 5,000 people. And I mean, she's just going on and on and on. She said, God called me to the nursery. And so I have just determined that I I am going to be the absolute best nursery keeper that there has ever been. And I just love the nursery. And it was evident. Oh, she was passionate about it. She loved it. It was beautiful. It was well kept. And everything was where it ought to be. And she was just thrilled that this was the job that God had given her. You know what? Whenever you say, God, whatever you give me, I'm going to do my absolute best at it. You know what? You can have fun even being a nursery worker. But this guy had a disinterested attitude. One, seriously, one talent? That's all you gave me? It's not even worth my time. It's not worth my energy. I'm not doing anything with that. For every obligation, there will one day be a reckoning. In verse number 19, we see the reckoning of their behavior. It says, after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and reckoneth with them. It's time to give account 
What have you done while I've been gone? And you know what? There's coming a day when you and I will stand before the Lord and we'll give account of the deeds done in this body, whether they're good or bad. What have you done? I entrusted you. What have you done? I entrusted you with life so you could have opportunity to turn to me. What have you done with that opportunity? I've entrusted you with the responsibility of sharing the gospel. What have you done with that opportunity? I've entrusted you with this gift that you could use for the betterment of the church. What have you done with what I've given you? There's coming a day when there's going to be a reckoning before the Father. But we see here that there was a reckoning. The master came back. It was time for them to tell him how they had did. It says the first two responded to the inquiry with confidence and eagerness. Confidence and eagerness. Verse number 20 says, And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Verse number 22, He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou delivered unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. These came back. They were eager to report. They were confident. God, I have done the utmost best that I could possibly do. I am confident in myself that I have done my best. Now the Bible does say that when we've done all that we can do, we're unprofitable servants because in light of what he did for me, I will never merit what he did for me. So when I've done all that I can do, I, I have not profited him anywhere near the amount that he profited me. However, when it comes to working in the service of the Lord, you know in yourself whether or not you're doing it to the best of your ability. You know whether or not you're applying yourself. You know if you could do more. You know if you're honestly doing your best to be faithful to the Lord. And there is nothing wrong if you say, you know what, I know that I am doing what God has called me to do. I am being faithful at what God has called me to do. I am being faithful in following Him and learning of Him. And you can approach the Lord with confidence and in all honesty say, Lord, I have lived my life to the best of my ability. I have lived for you. You can approach Him with confidence. That's what these guys did. They said, we're confident we've lived for you. And they were eager because they knew the Master would be pleased. But then we see that the third responded with complaining and excuses. Complaining and excuses. This is interesting. Look at verse 24 and 25. Then he which had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. And I was afraid and went and hid thy talent in the earth, the lo, there thou hast, that is thine. We don't have time to get into what all this means. But what we see here is the third one said, Master, it's your fault that I didn't do anything with what you gave me. I knew who you were and the type of person you were, and I was afraid of you. And because of my fear of you and because of the way you present yourself and the, the things that I know about you, I, I was afraid of you and therefore I was unable to serve you. Master, it's your fault that I didn't accomplish anything for you. And you know what? There's going to be many, many, many people at Judgment Day who are going to be condemned because they did not give their life to the Lord who are going to try to accuse God. But it's not His fault. Anytime we make excuse, we want to blame someone else. And we see this man made excuse. But lastly, this morning, trying to finish up, we see the reward for their faithfulness or lack thereof. In verse number 21, we see his Lord said unto him, Well done, 
thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. And this same verse is repeated in verse number 23 in response to he that had two talents. We see the reward for their faithfulness was abundant joy. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many. We see their reward was abundant joy. But in, in verse number 23, excuse me, I got the wrong verse down here. Let me find it real quick. Verse number, verse number 26. His Lord answered and said unto him, Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest that I reap where I sowed not and gather where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore to have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I could have received mine own with usury. Take therefore the talent from him and give it unto him which hath ten talents. For unto every one that hath shall be given, and he shall have abundance. But from him that hath not shall be taken away even that which he hath. And cast ye the unprofitable servant into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In these verses is definitely a much bigger definition that we'll be looking at later when we look at this as a whole. But the practical application that we see is those that give themselves to the service of the Lord, reap the joy of the Lord. But those who neglect to give themselves to the service of the Lord will face the judgment of the Lord. We see here these two people, three people. Two, they understood their relationship and they gave themselves to service. One had a wrong opinion of the Master. Let me just say that a lot of people who fail to put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, it's because they have a wrong opinion of who God is. We see that this master wasn't a hard master. This was a good master. But that servant said, here's my opinion of you. This is the type of person you are. I'm afraid of you. There's no personal relationship here. He doesn't understand the love of the master, the care of the master. He doesn't know any of that. He just sees the master in a distorted vision and he says, therefore, I can't serve you. There's many people who've never put their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ because they do not understand the love of God. They do not understand the grace of God. They do not understand who God is. But we see here that those who serve will be rewarded. Those who refuse to serve will be judged. Let's all stand. This morning, I ask you this question. Are you engaged in the service of the Lord? Are you applying yourself to the task that he has given you? Are you looking for a place that you can serve the Lord? Are you looking for an area that God can use you? Are you giving yourself to the service of the Lord? As Miss Debbie plays this morning, I'd like to give a two-way invitation. One, Christians, let's be faithful servants. And if you say to yourself, you know what, I've not been applying myself to the work of the Lord, I've not been applying myself to doing more for the Lord. Then as Miss Debbie plays, you come to this altar and say, Lord, help me. Help me find where you want me to serve and help me to be somebody that gives myself to your service. But then this morning also, if you're here lost and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Come to this altar and let us know that you'd like someone to take the Word of God and show you how you can know without a doubt that you're on your way to heaven.